favorite thriller. Presented by The Thriller Fiction Podcast. Jim Heskett talks to thriller authors about their favorite thriller books. And now, here's your host. Hello and welcome to your favorite thriller. My name is Jim Heskett and I'm talking today with R.A. McGee, which I'm really thinking is uh, Reginald Aloysius McGee. Is that anywhere close? It's actually Randall Thwaite Alexander. Uh, Randall Thwaite. Yeah, my Randall Thwaite's my mom's uh, maiden name. So very nice. Yeah, yeah, not true. <laughs> <laughs> None of that's true. <laughs> so I'm here today. We've rebooted. I have uh, brought this podcast back from the dead because I wanted to interview my friend R.A. from the Sots podcast uh, because I've already interviewed all the other regulars on the show when I was doing your favorite thriller in 2019. So I'm not bringing this show back permanently, but uh, just for a little one-off. And what I usually do here is read a little bit of the author's bio. So let's talk about R.A. real quick. R.A. McGee is the author of thriller novels, including the Porter series. He's a lifelong fan of stories and reading. He writes books that he thinks are fun to read with action, violence, and memorable characters. He lives with his ever-patient wife, who happily reads the first draft of everything he comes up with and waits supportively while he bangs his head against the wall, hoping ideas fall out. Together, they corral their small tribe of children who threaten to overrun them at any point and start a Lord of the Flies type society. Yeah, you know, right, I've got one kid and I feel like that all the time too. <laughs> it's, it's coming, man. It's coming. <laughs> it's coming. So today we are talking about your favorite thriller. And <clears throat> if it's still true, the book you said you wanted to talk about was Without Remorse by Tom Clancy. Yeah, man. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's tough to narrow it down to just one. Uh, but I think that's a I think that's a great one, man. That's cool. A, We're yeah, going to get into that in just a second. So first, tell us a little bit about you and your writing. OK, well, uh, like you said earlier, uh, uh, I'm R.A. McGee. I live in the mountains of North Carolina uh, with my my wonderful wife and my tribe of uh, lord of the flies children uh, you know they're usually pretty good man but some days dude i think i'm gonna just walk into some punji sticks or something you know walking <laughs> walking down the hallway uh, i hear you yeah. uh you know uh, as far as writing you know i write i write thrillers um that kind of span the my main series is is a uh, you know a kind of a lone uh lone type of character who goes into town and make things makes things right you know when they're wrong and the other series is kind of a mashup of you know, 24 and, and the Born Identity, so a little faster paced uh, stuff with more more uh, gunfights and shootouts. So, and mm. you know, that's kind of that's kind of what I do, man. Cool. Um, now, usually when I do these, there's an icebreaker question because I don't know a lot of these authors, mm -hmm. um, but uh, I know you, all right. Mm -hmm. But I'm still mm -hmm. gonna toss this icebreaker in here anyway because I want to see what you have to say to this. Do you have any crazy roommate stories? Oh man! Anything you can share on the air? <laughs> well, um, nothing good I should share. Although I will say that uh, the first house that I lived in when I left my house uh, was with three other guys uh, that I were worked security at a nightclub with. So there was four bouncers living in one big uh, townhouse with four rooms, and you know we partied pretty hard. You know we partied pretty hard once the uh, the cops came and our uh, dining room table was one of the, a big nine foot dining room table was just full inch to inch of like bottles 
and cans. And, you know, the cop came in and was like, uh, you guys are really uh, doing it up big in here, aren't you? He goes, I don't even buy the import stuff. And then he just kind of <laughs> like walked around and, uh, and left. So it was nice. It was a, it was a nice way to, to enjoy your freedom when you first moved out. One of my college roommates and I had an apartment that was way nicer than either of us deserve to live in, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we had like a, um, we had a balcony and then we had a closet on the balcony and we had nothing to put in that closet. You know, as we're 20 year olds, we don't have stuff. So we turned it into our dead beer storage. And after a year of living together, we went out and looked through all of the cases and added up how many beers we had drunk. Yeah. It, was, it was not a number that made us feel good. We, I don't know why we did that. It's mild, mildly depressing, you know, to know what you're doing with your life. But, you know, you got to live it, man. You know, nice. Let's dig into uh, Without Remorse. So can you give us a spoiler free synopsis or a little teaser about what yeah. uh, Tom Clancy is? Because I've read a lot of Tom Clancy and this is one I have not read. So I'm curious. Okay. Yeah. So Without Remorse, uh, if you've ever read Rainbow Six uh, or some of the other uh, Tom Clancy stories, there's a character named... Uh, John Clark. And John Clark is like a, a CIA operative. And then in Rainbow Six, he is, uh, he's Rainbow, you know, the head of, he's Six, the head of the Rainbow organization. Okay. Uh, it's kind of a multinational uh, uh, soldiering force, you know, so to speak. Well, without remorse is set uh, further in his past, you know, as he's coming, uh, you know, kind of out of the Vietnam War and uh, adjusting to, to civilian life. Um, and it, it's kind of his origin story uh, um, into 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 him, into his world, the kind of person that he comes, uh, the kind of people that he comes from, the kind of person that he is. And, you know, you find out that, you know, his name's not even John Clark. You know, it's John Kelly. Um, for And for numerous reasons that the book kind of explores, he has to change his name later. Um, so it's just, it's a really solid origin story for uh, John Clark. I saw on the Amazon page that it's, uh, they're making it into a movie with Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. Not a fan? Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. I, you know, I, I guess we'll have to see. I just, I, uh, when I saw that, I was a little, uh, I don't know. I don't want to say anything. I don't want to say anything bad. I don't want to say anything bad. I don't know. The screenwriter is uh, Taylor Sheridan. Okay. Um, and he wrote, I think, Sicario mm -hmm. and like a few other movies. So I have a lot of hope for it. Okay. But, you know, I just, I hope that he kind of, he kind of, kind of fits the character like I'm hoping that he does. And, uh, you know, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll keep my fingers crossed, man. I'll be cautiously optimistic, you know? <laughs> nice diplomatic way to say that you're not into it. <laughs> In case he's watching, man. In case he's watching. Michael B. Jordan, if you're watching, I've liked almost <laughs> everything you've done. So, yeah. And, well, you know, it's just like uh, in Black Panther, he was great. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But it, I had a hard time really buying the way that he portrayed Killmonger as a, you know, an accelerated like MIT level graduate who was also a SEAL Team Six guy. Just okay. his, you know, it just didn't it didn't ring true to me. You know what I mean? And okay. I've seen him act in a lot of things. You know, and so I know that it was kind of a choice the way that he played him, and it just didn't feel right to me. So I'm hoping it's. A different spin this time so. you know i'm definitely going to cut this part out mm -hmm. and title it you know like aria mcgee throws shade at michael b jordan that's right dude he'll just he'll just <laughs> he'll just be like who is that guy <laughs> <laughs> so speaking not exactly of michael b jordan but can you tell us a little bit more about the hero is there anything you've left out like what what really attracted you to this character when you were reading this book well so 
it was really one of the books that was kind of instrumental uh, to me as a reader that I didn't really realize informed my writing until much later um, okay. when I kind of looked at it in retrospect. Um, you know, John Kelly, uh, you know, he's a, a principled guy. You know, he's a, a you know, he, he's a, I mean, he's a good guy. He is the hero, but he because of various things that take place within the story, uh, he really gets his hands dirty. You know, he really gets his hands dirty. And I, I find that appealing uh, in a hero. You know, that's the kind of people that I like to write. You know, I like, I like people that have, they have a strict moral code, but it's their moral code. And it might not be what the reader would do in that situation, but I like people who are willing to get their hands uh, and not have really lengthy morality debates with themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I kind of, you know, I don't know if you ever, Malcolm Gladwell wrote this thing, um, I don't remember what newspaper it was for, but it was essentially about Jack Reacher, right? The mm -hmm. Jack Reacher character. And he said something to the effect that, you know, Jack Reacher is not leading us into a more civilized tomorrow, right? He's leading us back into the wilderness with the assurances that our psychopaths are bigger and badder than their psychopaths. Mm. And so that's, that kind of always stuck with me. You know, I think that it, I think that the world is such a such a sketchy place sometimes that I don't want someone, you know, I wouldn't want someone on my side who was uh, golly gee willikers, should I do it? You know, I, I don't want, uh, you know, I don't want Bruce Willis at the beginning of Die Hard, the first Die Hard, where they go through great pains for him to not kill someone. You know, it's just, it, it, the high rise is full of, full of killer terrorists and he's tiptoeing around and, you know, guy pulls a gun and he's dodging and he's ducking and then the guy falls down the stairs and that's how he kills the first guy. You know, I, I want a guy who's going to be definitive and is going to do what he needs to do to handle the situation. And John Kelly is is that type of character in this book, for sure. So like John Kelly would have lit up Nakatomi Plaza? Is that what you're everybody, saying? Everybody. Everybody, dude. <laughs> Everybody's done, dude. Any, everybody who's anybody is, that's it. That's it for him, man, you know? And nice. uh, I like that. You know, I, I that's something that I enjoy as a reader. Mm -hmm. And uh, that, those are the kind of stories that I write. So my books all kind of have, you know, that kind of central theme of, you know, it doesn't really matter the odds, you know, our, our hero is going to get into it and uh, you know, he's going to hit the gas when he has to, and he's going to make the bad guys really wish they hadn't have uh, started any, mm -hmm. you know? So. Speaking of bad guys, can you tell us a little bit uh, about the villain in the book without getting too much into details? without giving away spoilers i mean it's not a mystery so i assume we don't know i assume we don't find out the bad guy in the last chapter right no so it's kind of weird i would have a hard time um really coming up with like a big bad so okay. to speak in mm -hmm. this book you know there mm -hmm. are uh they're kind of dueling plot lines you know mm -hmm. one in uh stateside you know he's uh living in baltimore and um you know, without really spoiling anything, you know, someone that he cares about is killed, you know, obviously. And uh, so that kind of sets him off on this path, uh, you know, of, of vengeance, so to speak. And then there's also a plot that takes place uh, back in Vietnam. Um, you know, he spent a lot of time in Vietnam 
and uh, they find out that there is a downed pilot over there in a mm-hmm. concentrate in a concentration camp, and so it, it it becomes crucial to the plot later that there are people uh, asking him to come back to to help them find this downed pilot because mm-hmm. he's familiar with the landscape and the layout, but he's also kind of juggling the stateside plot. So it's more of a um. You ever see Enter the Dragon? Uh, I think so. You know, and it's like he he goes into the building and then he fights the guy on the bottom floor and then that guy's kind of down and out of the way and then he fights the next guy on the floor up and then he kind of works his way up to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you know, who leaves that that Mm. footprint on his chest when he kicks him, you know, (laughs) pow! You know, it's that kind of story where, you know, there are just kind of bad guys everywhere. You know what I mean? There are... I think that there's a lot more than one villain. And so it's kind of atypical that way, because I I do think that a great villain is pretty important in a thriller, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of what, that's kind of what separates us, separates thrillers from mystery a little bit, you know? So Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, a mystery, you might not know who done it for a while, you know? And I, I feel like in thrillers, a lot of times you'll get that earlier in the story. And so then you're kind of working on a, you know, why done it or, you know, how, how is our guy going to fix it type of mm-hmm. type of situation. And I, and I think that that's kind of, uh, I think that's kind of without remorse is sort of like that. So I think one of the things I like um, that's different between mysteries and thrillers to me is that in, in mysteries, you often, as a reader, you learn things at the same time as your hero. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's it's you uncover clues, you put things together. But in a thriller, often the reader knows more than the hero does mm-hmm. because and the I, reader will get to meet the villain in a chapter. And then then the sure. reader's like, I hope the hero figures this out. Right. Yeah. And then you get to live with that with that tension that the author's kind of putting in you because, you know, that when, you know, the good your hero walks past. Uh, the guy with the weird hat, you know, the guy with the weird hat is the bad guy, but our heroes is a dunce and he doesn't know yet. And you're like, figure it out. You know, <laughs> uh, Lisa Badger, we're recording this live. Lisa Badger says, hi, better late than ever. Hey, Lisa. Welcome. Hello, Lisa. Hello, Lisa. Uh, we're talking about without remorse by Tom Clancy. Would you describe uh, without remorse as a page turner or do you like, do you like page turners or is it more like a slow burn? And is that more your jam? Which one do you, what are you into? Well, I kind of, you know, I can, I'll kind of take it like I get it. You know what I mean? A lot of times, um, especially if, if if it's an author that I'm familiar with, I'll kind of, I'll kind of just trust that they're leading me where I want to go, whether it's a page turner or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I would not necessarily classify uh, without remorse as a as a page turner. Okay. Um, because, you know, one of the criticisms I hear most about Clancy is how it's how detailed he is about things, you know? So when you have John Kelly, you know, untying his boat and starting up the engines to drive to the Island, he's going to, when you're done, like you feel like you could probably drive a boat, you know, because you know, like, <laughs> Oh, I got to take this line off and I got to do that. You know, there's a, there's a scene in, in the book where, you know, John Kelly manufactures a, uh, a suppressor, a silencer, uh, in his shop, you know? And so Mm -hmm. by the time it was done, you could tell that he really, uh, he really 
did his research and he wants you to know that he did his research. And so that can feel in the micro that that's slowing things down a little bit because you're kind of reading things. But in the macro, I think the story is paced well. If you zoom out, things are happening at an appropriate clip. But if you mm-hmm. zoom in, sometimes there's a, it's, it's a little wordy sometimes. You know what I mean? So I think that's kind of it. I wouldn't call it a, a, a thriller, a, a page turner. I'm sorry. I would call it a thriller. I wouldn't call it a page turner. Although there are definitely some chapters where you, you, you're going to be pushed on to the next chapter to see what happens. So. Mm-hmm. Like I think if you probably cut about 75 pages out of the Hunt for Red October, it could have been a Jack Reacher book, maybe. Exactly. 100%. 100%. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you you know, if you, if you, the detail is incredible. I, I want to say I read a story somewhere where when he wrote the Hunt for Red October, um, he had like a government agency show up at his, at his house saying, hey, how did you know all of these things? And he said, it's all available in libraries and, and it's all, you know, freedom of not freedom of information back then, but it was all free to the public. He just did his research and they were really surprised that he had learned so much about the shit of the subs and how they worked. You know, I've heard that same thing too. They, I think it was like during the Reagan administration, they pulled him in and said, you know, how do you, you know, the stuff. And he said, well, I read magazines and the rest of it, I make up or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And he just got it right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so he's, you know, that's, I think that's one of his trademarks. And I, I feel like that was something that he really took pride in. Um, and so when you're reading those parts, you, you do kind of just have to trust that like, he's getting, like he's getting to the point, even if he's, he's just feeding you from a, from a fire hose sometimes, mm-hmm. you know? So so with with regards to without remorse, what's the one thing you think that makes it stand above other thrillers you like? What is it about this book that made you want to talk about it on the show today? Well, I think that the way Clancy crafted the character, especially after I knew him from Rainbow Six, uh, so kind of backtracking in his life, the way that that Clancy presented the character, um, he's he's just impossible not to root for you know because he gets grounded very early in the fact that you know he's a he's a he's got a good heart you know he's a good guy um you know he's willing to do things for people that most people wouldn't uh just uh uh on the kindness scale you know mm-hmm. but that he's also willing to to really do what he has to do uh, outside the law to make things happen. And I, and I think that Clancy shows you early based on what he did in Vietnam and based on actions that he takes early in the book, that Kelly is a very, he's a very capable person, right? He's very good at what he does. He's very capable. And then uh, something happens and he, he loses, like he suffers like a really devastating setback, you know? And so then once you know that he's so good at what he does and he's still lost the rest of the book, you're like, well, the odds are are raised exponentially because now there are more people that are after him. There's more people that he's after. And if he couldn't get it done when he was at his best, how's he going to do it now? And so it just, it really sucks you in and it, mm-hmm. it makes you, it makes you root for the guy, you know? Yeah. If you get a book where you, you know, the hero is going to win, but you still believe that it's not possible for him to win as you're reading, you know, that's a great book because you're like, I know this is going to end with, you know, everything working out, but I just don't see how it could. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, and, you know, I think that a lot of that's, you know, really, you know, it's like really character, you know, it's, it's really giving you a great, 
sense of your hero put in the crucibles of some of these plot-induced problems. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's good stuff, man. It's really good stuff. Are you a big Clancy fan, or do you just like this particular series? You know, I'm really not. A, I've read, I've read Rainbow Six, and I've read Without Remorse, and that's it. And I have, I think, I've got three or four of his books on the shelf, um, and I haven't taken the time to get into them because I know that they're substantial. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I know that they're, you know, there's a lot going on, and you have to devote your time to this book. You know. Um, and I just haven't, I haven't done that, but the one, two punch of rainbow six and without remorse, I think is, is really superb, superb from Clancy. Nice. Yeah, really do. What other kind of stuff do you like to read? Man, I'm, I'm, I'm all over the place, man. You know, I read, you know, I read, uh, uh, you know, I read thrillers. I read mysteries. I read a lot of us, uh, you know, supernatural type of stuff. You know what I mean? Um, when I was younger, I liked a lot of Dean Koontz's stuff because um, it's just kind of weird, mm-hmm. you know. Um, man, I, I read pretty much anything I can get my hands on. You know, I read, <laughs> I, I just anything that strikes my fancy, I go for it because I'm kind of like a free range reader. I'm kind of like a free range, you know, television watcher, um, you know. And, and I kind of have uh, distilled my writing focus into thrillers. Um, because they're kind of what I enjoy writing the most. Um, but, you know, I'd love to take a crack at all kinds of things. You know, it's uh, I think that you can always find find good stuff if you're willing to kind of open open your eyes a little bit. You know, I'm exactly the horizons. I'm exactly the same way. I probably read more. I write thrillers, but I probably read more science fiction than I do. thrillers. Yeah, yeah I just yeah. I like to read all kinds of stuff. Now, let's talk about your book. What book of yours would you like us to know about today? Uh, well, I think probably uh, the second book in my main series uh, of the Porter series, uh, it's called Moving Target. Oh, my goodness. And How about that? Look at that. Right man, there. dude, you're Johnny on the spot with that <laughs> thing, man. I like it, dude. I like it. It's uh, it, it, my first book. Uh, you know, I, I enjoy my first book. You know, readers seem to enjoy my first book. Um, and I think that my first book, my first book in the Porter series skews more mystery okay um you don't really know what's happening you don't even really know who did what they did or if this person's missing or why they're missing you know and the audience is unraveling things like you mentioned earlier they're unraveling things as you go along and then with the second book the very first chapter i show you who's missing i show you who took them and i show you why they took them and then the rest of the book is, you know, the hero trying to figure all those things out, you know, and and potentially, you know, save someone's life. So I think that it's it's definitely more thriller than mystery. And so I think it's like a perfect fit for people that like thrillers. You know, I think most most people who like thrillers would enjoy it, uh, you know, in general. You know, maybe you don't you don't like my writing. That's a different thing. But the plot wise it's structured as, as a really solid thriller. So nice. Can you give us a, like a little teaser about the plot? And just, uh, yes. Yeah. So, uh, Porter's our hero and, uh, he gets a call from an old uh, FBI buddy of his and the FBI buddy, uh, uh, has a guy whose daughter is, uh, disappears one day, daughter disappears. And, um, 
you, you it's not a spoiler because it's in the first chapter. You find out that she's taken by a uh, a clan of meth dealers uh, in the mountains, and so the all the legal means have kind of exhausted themselves for finding this kid. And so, uh, you know, Porter's old buddy calls him in because he likes to work uh, extrajudiciously. And uh, he is the one who's going to put the screws to the people that he needs to to find out uh, where this kid is. And uh, he's going to stop at nothing to uh, to save her. So nice. Yeah, that is moving target. And I'm going to put a banner down here. Visit R.A. McGee on the SOTS. We always say Ram Kagi, but that is actually it's not Ram. It's R.A. McGee. Uh, Reginald Thwaite. I forgot which one. Uh, what did I say? Randall Something, Thwaite. Randall, Randall Thwaite. <laughs> Randall Thwaite. <laughs> it works for me, man. I'm going to start signing things. Randall Thwaite. Ah. Lisa liked Moving Target. We're glad you enjoyed it, Lisa. Um, I think we're about ready to wrap this all up. So if you go down there, let me switch this back here so we're not so close up. That's a little better. I know my pores, man. My pores is a little too high depth, bro. I was like, I hope this is not in 4K. It's like, ah. (laughs) If you're listening to the audio, you have no idea what we're talking about. And count yourself lucky. (laughs) Count yourself lucky. Yeah, you don't need to see us. Just kidding. (laughs) Well, hey, Ari, thanks so much for coming on your favorite thriller. And do you have any parting words of wisdom for the people? Oh, man. Just read stuff. Read stuff. And if you don't like it, put it down. Never force (laughs) yourself to finish a book that you don't like. So read it, read widely. And if it's terrible, get rid of it and move on to something else. It's all right to DNF. Don't feel guilty. That's right. Never. All right. This has been your favorite thriller. Thanks, RA. And I'll see you next week at Sots. Sounds good, brother. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Your Favorite Thriller podcast. I'm Jim Heskett, and if you want to support the show, please rate and review it online and tell a friend who loves thriller books. See you next time.